Hey everybody, welcome to Matt and Dory's Excellent Adventure. I'm Matt. I'm Dory. Um, Happy New Year. I guess people will some, if you're listening to this on New Year's Eve, I mean, wow, that's dedication. <laughs> we are glad to be your New Year's Eve entertainment. If you're listening to this on New Year's Day. Should we do a, still, should we do a still, ball drop? Still, wow. Should we do a ball drop on, on the podcast? No. Oh, okay. I thought that might be fun. That way, like, if someone was listening on New Year's, they could just time we, it. We just tell them to pause the pod mm-hmm. and then not come back to it until 11.59. Yeah. I guess when, that's... When it's clear that because they were listening to the podcast, they really just needed something to listen to. Yeah. And we're like, stop. Wait till 11.59. <laughs> um... <clears throat> Where have we been? Okay, so Christmas, we had Christmas. That was a week. It's been two weeks since we last spoke to everybody yeah. in the audience that isn't in our Patreon. Yeah. Have we recorded that yet, the second one? No, we haven't. We need to do Ooh, that. Oh, mm-hmm. we got two, we got a day and a half. We better do it. Yep, yep. Um, yep. Let's see. What do you What do you want to talk about? Well, Christmas Eve? Yeah. At Benihana? I don't know. We went to Benihana on Christmas Eve. Yes. Dory wanted to start a new tradition called going to Benihana on Christmas Eve. (laughs) Henry, it was maybe Henry's favorite meal of all time. He sat the longest. He sat the longest. He he ate his whole dinner, which is unprecedented. Oh, I mean, he didn't eat the rice. He just ate the chicken, but still. Still. I mean, come on. He enjoyed the show. Yes. He did enjoy the... Um, he enjoyed the egg called? hiding. <laughs> what? What is that called? Uh, hib- that form of dining. Hibachi? Hib- hib- I think it's hibachi, right? I mean, hibachi is the grill. Right. Or is it like unique to Benihana? The idea of a chef standing. It's teppanyaki. It's teppanyaki. Teppanyaki. Yeah. But is that is that unique to Benihana, or is that just? Um, well, I think teppanyaki is when they. I'm talking about when they do puns and make eggs disappear. Right. And tiny volcanoes. Okay. Out of onions. Teppanyaki. This is the Wikipedia. Often confused with hibachi. <laughs> Is a post-World War II style of Japanese cuisine that uses an iron griddle to cook food. Um, Teppan are typically propane-heated, flat-surfaced, and are widely used to cook food in front of guests at restaurants. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Oh, here we go. The originator of the teppanyaki-style steakhouse is believed to be Shigeji Fujioka of the Japanese restaurant chain Mizono. The restaurant claims to be the first to introduce the concept of cooking Western-influenced food on a teppan in Japan in 1945. They soon found the cuisine was less popular with the Japanese than it was with foreigners who enjoyed both watching the skilled maneuvers of the chefs, preparing the food, and the cuisine itself, which is somewhat more familiar than more traditional Japanese dishes. Mm. I mean, yeah, Henry basically had... He had chicken tenders, but that was not prepared on the teppanyaki grill. Right, that's true. Um, as the restaurants became more popular with tourists, the chain increased the performance aspect of the chef's preparation, such as stacking onion slices to produce a flaming onion volcano. 
So basically, what I'm hearing here is that, okay, in the United States, teppanyaki was made famous by the Benihana restaurant chain, which opened its first restaurant in New York in 1964. And here's where it gets confusing, Matt. Though Benihana cooks their food teppanyaki style, they also serve dishes such as hibachi steak and chicken. Interesting. So I think I know what they're saying. I don't. I really don't know what they're saying. Anyway, teppanyaki. There's a there's a teppanyaki grill at Japan at the Japan Showcase in in Epcot. Oh. Um. But that said, oh, let me turn my notifications off. Even though they're very faint, which I think might be an aspect of the new operating system I'm currently running. Mm. Not as easy to do not disturb as it was in the last OS. Oh. Huh. Ah. Thank you. Okay. All right. Um. <clears throat> Anyway, we went to Benihana. We, we sat did. with a lovely family and another couple because you sit, you know, you sit communally. They really crammed yeah, so us in on the end of the table, though, I will if say. If you don't have eight people ready to dine, you're going to dine with strangers. I actually think three is the worst number of people to eat at Benihana because they will shove you on the end of the table. If you have four, you get to sit like in front of the chef. And if you have two, the end of the table is like feels normal. But three, like even though Henry is a small person, he refused to sit in the middle. So Matt and I were were, like shoved up against each other and there really wasn't that much room. And then Henry, I don't know. So, yeah. So maybe next year we'll recruit a fourth. (laughs) I was the second fullest I've ever been in my whole life. After the and I didn't even get through the steak. Yeah. You know the most full I've ever been in my entire life? When? It was the uh my bachelor party dinner at Morton's. No, at what what was it called? There's uh, one on the ocean. Ma- and Ma- one in Mastros. Mastro's, yes, that Hardwick paid for. Was like 14 of us up in this, you know, on the upper area. And I mean, I ate so much and I was full for no word of a lie, 18 hours. <laughs> Felt awful when I got home. <laughs> I had to sleep on my back. It was like, it was a disaster. Oh, no. I mean, it wasn't a disaster. It was delicious food, and I ate too much of it, but I felt like this felt so bad. And I was like, I'll always remember this feeling. Mm. I never want to experience it again. <laughs> and I sort of experienced it again at Benihana. But luckily, that lasted till... That lasted probably... That was like, that was like four hours of severely full, mm. which then goes to full for an hour, and then you're satiated for like sleep. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's the, the that's how fullness works for me. I don't know how it works for normal people. Because I'm not normal. Mm. But, you know. <clears throat> uh, 
Um, well, how did you feel? The food wasn't good. No, the, but we weren't expecting it to be good. Correct. The food wasn't good. Uh, I just just because it's so under seasoned. I actually thought it was weirdly and the vegetables were over seasoned. Yeah, I thought it was the vegetables were the the meat was not the chicken. You didn't have the chicken. Yeah. It was over seasoned. Interesting. In like a weird way, like not a not a good over seasoning kind of way. Well, I was like, oh, maybe I can bail this out with one of these dipping sauces they gave us. No, no. those weren't those weren't good. Mm-mm. But you know what? Uh, it was fun. I'm glad we did it. Oh, I, I, look, I think you started a new tradition. I started a new tradition, everybody. I also, um, I, I'd done this once before, I think, made cinnamon rolls on Christmas. I was like, I'm going to do it again. And I, you know, I'm Googling like best cinnamon roll recipe. And of course, on like the baking subreddit, someone recommended the King Arthur flour websites cinnamon roll recipe. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, well, King Arthur Flower knows what they're talking about. So I will do. They do, yeah. I will do this recipe. What I, what I now in retrospect think is that that recipe is like slightly more advanced baking wise than I was ready for. Mm. Um, even though, like, I say that even though I kind of saw my mistakes as I was making them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Like I was baking like, is complicated. Oh, I overworked the dough. This probably won't end well <laughs> mm-hmm. and indeed it did not um and i overbaked them because i was worried about them being underbaked but matt and henry seemed to enjoy them they took i liked them they were like uh they were by, like, they were like biscuits they were they were like two inches yeah they didn't get they, two inch round they biscuits. didn't rise well like they just they were very dense they're very but dense what i liked about them i'll say this what i liked about them was they were dry like to the like to the touch not sticky is what i mean yes i don't mean mean dry in the sense of dry dough i mean sure they weren't sticky um and they were so dense that you could eat one and and i I was like oh that was good that was good breakfast i'm good to go Mm. it was like you would somehow like accidentally invented a protein bar or something (laughs) With no protein. <laughs> With zero protein, sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then yesterday, there was one cinnamon roll left, and Henry said, I want to save the cinnamon roll for when for Holly, for when she gets here. And I was like, oh, but today's Friday. She's not coming till Sunday. I made these on Monday. Oh, I she wanted, I wanted, he wanted to eat it. Well, he so. did, because then I said, "We, you know, she's not coming till Sunday. That's another two days. I made these on Monday. Like, I don't think it's going to be good till sun, like till Sunday, but maybe we could make something else for her tomorrow. And he was like, okay, well, I'll eat it after I get home from camp because he went to camp this week. And I was like, okay, but I forgot to tell Matt this. Yeah. And I came home from golf at like 840 in the morning, 45, ran into you guys, had a lovely interaction where Henry, Henry's new favorite thing is to ask what people were like. What when when like something when? happened, when something happened, yeah, what, just a, what were you like when? Yeah, what were you like when what you saw like when? Dita in the driveway? <laughs> yes, and it'll be that. It'll be the most recent thing that's ever happened. It will be what he's asking you. Uh, um. 
So said hello. He asked what I was like when I saw that he was still home, <laughs> even though he saw what I was like. Um. Anyway, he goes. They go off to uh, do their thing, and then I went in the house, and I was like, I had played golf. I hadn't eaten yet. I had gotten up at five something, uh, and I saw that there was like one more in the in the Tupperware in the Pyrex, and I was like, oh, cool. I'll just have this for breakfast, and then I'll go out to my office and start to get ready for the podcast. Um, and I ate it. Didn't think any of it. Was watching Star Trek, and then at twelve oh eight p.m., Dory told me the terrible news that I had eaten the lone cinnamon roll that Henry was going to eat. So I begged Dory to make more because I did not want Henry forever to be like, "Why did you eat that cinnamon roll?" Mm-hmm. What were you like when you saw that cinnamon roll? <laughs> it, it was going to be endless. He was going to ask it forever. So I asked her to make more cinnamon rolls. So she did, but she changed the recipe. I did because I was like, I can't spend six hours making cinnamon rolls. I must find a faster <laughs> cinnamon roll situation. So I found one on a website called Sally's Baking Addiction. Mm. Sally'sBakingAddiction.com. And the the title of the recipe was Easy Cinnamon Rolls, Only One Rise. Oh, okay. And I was like, great. One thing that I liked about this recipe is that... Um, they gave you an exact temperature for how warm the water should be when you dissolve the yeast. Actually, it's not water. They have you dissolve it in mil- heated milk and melted butter. Mm. Most recipes will just say dissolve the yeast in lukewarm water. Well, like right. lukewarm can mean many different things. And like I have often been like, is this water too hot? Is this water too cold? Like, I don't know. But Sally said the the liquid should be should be around 110 degrees Fahrenheit and no hotter. So I just took out my trusty instant read thermometer and tested it and boom, done. And I do think I got a good rise because I think the the liquid was at the correct temperature when I put the yeast in. So I I did appreciate that. Um I had to go to pick up Henry from camp while the cinnamon rolls were in the oven. So I asked Matt to take them out and he took them out when they were supposed to come out, but they were a little over, like they were a little too brown on top. And I think Mm. if I had been here to monitor them, I would have done what Sally suggests, which is to put aluminum foil, like kind of tent it with aluminum foil. If you see them starting to brown too early, and had I not been recording a podcast, I probably would have done the same. Um, but I thought, like, as a dough, this these were better. Henry thought they were better. Matt liked both of them. I liked. I, I, I if I had to pick a favorite now, in retrospect, it would be the ones from Christmas. This is so interesting to me. Yeah, and it's and it's really just because I um don't like how sticky they are on the bottom oh that's because of the frosting 
Yeah. The frosting was was like liquidy, so the so it like seeped down onto the bottom. Yeah, now it's all at the bottom. Yeah. And it's very sticky. Yeah. That's all. This is true. I should have used the frosting recipe that King Arthur Baker King Arthur flour um had on their recipe because I think it was a better frosting recipe. I liked it. Uh either way. I'm good. Either way, you want to try to make the more difficult ones next year, go for it. If you don't, go for it. Okay. Noted. Thank you. I mean, every year I'll get them a little bit better. Well, so you've already gotten them worse. So I don't know that you can do that. I've gotten them worse. They're stickier. They're stickier now. Oh, which I, don't, I don't like. I don't think. You see what works. I'm saying? I do. I do see what you're saying. But I think I'm going to learn from my from both experiences. I think you should check out one of Bridget's cinnamon roll recipes from. Look, I ATK. I love Bridget. I love ATK. I find their recipes are often overly complicated for a a small ROI. Like they're like, this tastes 10% better than the recipe that is 75% easier to make. And to me- wow, Shot across the bow. To me, that's just not worth it. Like I would rather have the easier recipe that takes me like half as much time that is maybe slightly less tasty than- supposedly than the recipe that Bridget has put together that is like unnecessarily complicated IMHO. I think what you're missing is the fact that they, uh, they just, you know, it's the science of cooking that they're really. Of course. But as a, as a home cook, when I am choosing which recipe to make, to me, my first instinct is not to go for the ATK recipe because I'm oh, like, this is going to have steps that like, really? We're so different. We're so different. Well. Well, you can modify it while you're cooking. Like be like, mm, But like, I don't pass. like to do that. I like to just like follow a recipe. I see. Well, how about you follow this recipe where we go to a commercial break right about now? Oh, okay. All right. We'll be right back. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, I'm going to ask you a question. How's your sock drawer looking? Is it scary? Maybe it's time for a spring cleaning and refresh. Bombas just dropped a bunch of absurdly soft new socks, tees, and underwear to help you get that drawer in a better place while doing a little bit of good. Look, when I open up my uh, sock drawer and I see a clean pair of Bombas sitting on top, not only do my feet sort of jump for joy, but like I can't wait to get them on my feet because I know they're going to be cozy. I know they're going to be the best socks in the house. And I know that they're going to keep me going all day long. They've got some great details that have been obsessed over, including 
the honeycomb arch support, which I love. Anti-blister tabs, which I also love. What that is, it's a little bit of a heel that goes up a little, just a just a smidge higher. Like in a, whatever the perfect amount higher is, that's how high it goes. Bombas has figured this out. Uh, and they've got cushioned footbeds that feel like little pillows on your feet. Not to mention the buttery soft tees and underwear with no itchy tags. Oh, I hate an itchy tag. And Bombas is like, don't worry about it. We do too. And look, the best thing about Bombas is that when you purchase an item, Bombas donates an item. That's right. Every time you buy their socks, tees, or underwear, you're also donating essential clothing to someone facing homelessness. To date, Bombas has donated over 100 million clothing items and counting. I mean, Bombas can make returns easy as well. I don't know why you'd return anything because what? (laughs) But they do have a 100% happiness guarantee. So if the dryer or your dog eats a sock or if you're unhappy with your purchase for virtually any reason, they'll do whatever they can to replace it and make it right. Bombas has a spring collection out right now. That means new colors and new fun. (laughs) That's right. They have garden party socks that bring the party to your feet. They got stripes. They got florals. They've got vintagey colored rib socks. You know, those like... You know, uh, stripes on the top of it. It's like, well, hey, look at me. I'm a vintage uh, soccer player or track person. They've got those, too. And they even have a new pointel sock with a frilly cuff. You know, for all you frill seekers out there, folks, all I'm saying is you heard me talk about Bombas for years now. I don't know why you haven't done anything about it. Get comfy this spring and give back with Bombas. Head over to bombas.com slash adventure and use the code adventure for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash adventure. Use the code adventure at checkout. Trust me, your feel thank you. And we're back. Hello. If you want to write into the show, you can do so. Dory Matt at Gmail or Matt and Dory at Gmail. Get your 2024 mail in. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can call the show, 413 baby Yes, you did it. Okay, all right. <laughs> and uh, leave a voicemail there. If you want to go longer than three minutes, you can always record a voice memo on your phone and email that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, get in touch. See what's what. How am I sleeping? How's your, how's your IVF going? Is your child a four-year-old monster? <laughs> These are all great questions. Mm. Yeah. Now, it does bring us to return our attention over to you, the audience. And here we are with Dory's handy-dandy email notes. And our first uh, message is a voicemail. Mm. This is called breastfeeding. Hey, Matt and Dory. Uh, this is Phoebe and Revere. Happy holidays to you and all the fam. Um, I'm calling with an IVF-related kind of what would you do in my situation question. Uh, a little background. When I was 34, I froze eggs because I was getting old, had no prospects. I got eight that matured to freeze. Then when I was 36, my fiance and I created embryos. We got one. 
um, as a backup plan, which we ended up needing after a year of trying. Um, and we now have a 13-month-old science baby from that retrieval. I got laid off from my tech job this year. So my fertility benefit or coverage, um, which basically covers 90% of all the IVF stuff, um, it's ending at the end of January. So we want to make sure we get the most out of this benefit before it ends. And we really want two kids. So um, we need a few more embryos to make that happen. Um our RE felt insanely confident we wouldn't need to do another retrieval. I had those eight mature eggs that were frozen when I was 34, and she was so sure that we'd get two or three normal embryos from that. Um, but I've been listening to you guys long enough and in the IVF community long enough to know that um, shit rarely works out like that. So no surprise to me, um, quite a surprise to my RE, but um we got the gut punch uh, earlier this week that those eight eggs that we thawed and did pixie on um, ended up getting zero embryos from them, even though I was 34 and, you know, they were supposed to be much higher quality eggs from back then, but not a one. Um, so now our freezer is empty. We have no more eggs, no more embryos, um, and we need to do another retrieval before the end of January uh, if we want it to be paid for. Our plan is to do that a frozen embryo transfer later on down the line. So we'll freeze and biopsy whatever embryos we get with the hope of um, doing the transfer later in the year once I have another job because we need some medical benefits also. Um, but here's the issue and what I'm looking for some advice on. Um, I am still breastfeeding my 13-month-old uh, only twice a day, like first thing in the morning and right at night before bed. But I worked so hard to make breastfeeding a success. Um, and Dory, I know you worked so hard with Henry too. And I'm just not emotionally ready to kind of end that part of our journey yet. My RE said, you know, I'd suggest that you wean because there is some concern that some of the drugs could be passed to the breast milk um, and sort of left it at that. She wasn't super, you know, strong about either way. Um, we didn't really get too deep into it because the meeting we had, we were in shock about the lack of embryos and we just didn't talk much about it. Um, but thanks to the Egghead Pregnancy and Children group, um, I found another Facebook group that like strongly supports breastfeeding while undergoing IVF treatment. Treatment It has all these data sheets with all the possible IVF meds that you could take and what the chances are of them being passed in breast milk and stuff like that. And it, it seems pretty legit. Like everything I'm reading feels evidence-based um, and everything I would be taking for this retrieval should be fine to continue breastfeeding. You know, it may affect my supply, it says, for a lot of these drugs, um, which is fine. Like, baby girl is in the high 90s percentile-wise, um, and she eats tons of solids. So I'm not worried about the uh, nutrition from breast milk so much anymore. But nursing at this point is just its kind of comfort, um, and I was hoping to keep doing it through the winter to give her any additional antibodies that I can as we go through this cold and flu season. Um so yeah, my plan had been to wean by the end of February when she'll be 15 months. Now I'm just feeling kind of conflicted about whether I try to wean in the next like two weeks um, and wean her early. So there's absolutely no concerns about, you know, prepping for this retrieval and the drugs. My husband feels like the Facebook group um, could be filled with crackpots and he thinks I should wean her because he just doesn't, you know, he wants to take the RE's advice, even though I felt like it was just kind of like, eh, whatever. Um, but he's a dude and he hasn't really been that supportive of our breastfeeding journey. Um, my husband has at least. So I don't know. I also feel like he's not going to be the one who has to deal with her fussing and like pulling at his shirt to try to get to her boobs, um, when she wants to be comforted. So it kind of feels like it's on me to make this decision, but, um, Dory, I know you love evidence and science-based things. So curious what you would do if you would continue breastfeeding while prepping for a retrieval, um, or if you would stop, um, that's all. Thanks so much. Um, really appreciate you guys so much. I'm still working through the back catalog. I will call it again when I am all cut up. I've got about seven months of episodes from 2021 to finish, and then I will be 
all cut up and so sad uh, when I am. But thank you so much for everything you do. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Well, okay. Since the question was, Dory, what would you do in this situation and not what should I do in this situation? Mm. I will answer. Mm, let's frame it. Yeah. I will frame answer it like that. the question that you asked, which is what would I do? And of course, it's easy for me to answer this like theoretically because I'm not go I'm not actually going through it. So, you know, very, very low stakes for me. But from where I'm sitting right now, based on everything you have told me, I personally would wean my daughter right now. Hmm, you'd go for straight to wean, huh? I would wean. I I don't I don't like I don't know. It just it's like I, I think I would just do if you if if the situation were my daughter is three months old and I had been planning on breastfeeding her till she was a year old and I have to use this in the next month, that's kind of a different calculus to me. But when you're saying I was going to wean her at the end of February anyway, it's like a month. Yeah. And I, I like, and I don't want to downplay what I I can hear are your very real feelings around this. But I, I do think in the grand scheme of things, it is a month. I also think that because you are just comfort feeding her, the longer you wait, it is going, the harder it's going to be to wean her because she's going to get older and more vocal. You know, I don't know if that's really a consideration, but it is, you know, if you're looking for ways to justify it, that could be a way to justify it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I know it sucks. And you know what sucks too is like this whole process is filled with shitty decisions. You know, like it just, it sucks that you have to make this decision in the first place. And like, I, I see you and I honor that and I acknowledge it and I would wean the baby me personally what should you do that's up to you but that is what i would do in your shoes i think well i think that's about as honest and the corrected answers you can get for that question <laughs> thank you matt you're very welcome um all right we got an email from sarah who says, hello, Matt and Dory. I'm writing to share some info I've learned about my own sleep apnea experience with our child. Because, you know, parasocial relationships, I care about you guys. I'm not writing for you to read this on the podcast, but of course I will leave that up to you. I thought it was good information, so I decided we should read it on the podcast. Okay. Our kiddo has severe sleep apnea. And the best thing we have found to monitor how he sleeps is a continuous O2 monitor. We have this one with the wrist strap and oxygen monitor you wear on your thumb. And they sent us a link to the WellU wrist pulse ox oximeter for oxygen level and blah, blah, blah. It's on Amazon. Um, we tried to monitor his oxygen via his Apple Watch, but since his watch is set up with his iCloud account, they don't allow monitoring oxygen for minors. Maybe you already monitor your oxygen levels when you sleep. That's interesting. Sleep. Uh, I, well, it does sort of. It does monitor it. Okay. But uh, just letting you know. Okay. Sleep is so important, Matt. This is coming from someone who regularly does not get enough sleep. 
but there is a big difference between someone who sleeps too few hours per night versus if your sleep was being interrupted by apnea. Our kids' entire personality changed while they were suffering from sleep apnea before we figured out what was going on. Having been through a few in-clinic sleep studies with our child, I would recommend doing an in-clinic sleep study as part of your data to find out what is causing your poor sleep. While I don't think you sleep the same as you do at home, they monitor so many things the at-home sleep studies do not. It will give more data to your sleep specialist than just how you sleep. They monitor your leg movements, eye movements, how much air goes in and out of your nose and your body movements. It's really intense how many wires they put on you. I'm sure this does not make you want to do it. But I say this to encourage you to consider it as they capture a lot more information than an at-home study. I have so much more to say about this, but we'll get this email off to you for now to encourage you to monitor your oxygen levels while you sleep at home and schedule both an in-clinic and at-home sleep study. Take care, Sarah, who is a Forever 35 longtime listener that joined you on your excellent adventure about a year ago. Mm. 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 Um... Yes, that is that is excellent information, and yeah, I I look. Uh, I I would like to do it. There's just like a couple of hurdles, personally, regarding my own inability to get a thing done when it when it's slightly more difficult than I think it should be. Mm. Like when there when there's like one more step of the process then I'm like that step shouldn't exist. Then my ADHD brain has such a hard time with it and motivating myself to do it. But that said, um I have been getting more stuff done lately, so the idea of getting a sleep study done in the next month is not so out of left field. Okay. We like this. I'm going to I'm going to tell you something that might blow your mind right now. Okay. A mom I know posted that she has a free CPAP machine. Well, she said, PSA, if your child has ADHD, get them checked by an ENT for sleep apnea. Turns out poor sleep from sleep apnea can cause all the symptoms of ADHD. According to our new dentist, when sleep apnea is properly treated, (laughs) 60% of kids no longer present as ADHD. Well, sadly, I was diagnosed when I was sleeping fine. (laughs) Yeah, but don't you think that maybe you're... Some of your ADHD is exacerbated by sleeping poorly. I mean, it's possible for sure. I mean, there's like, I mean, I fall asleep all the time. You see me do it. I do. Like I fall asleep at the table with my phone in my hands. Yeah. It's not normal. Isn't it? When you're tired? No. Well, I mean, I don't, then I wish you could experience what I'm feeling just for one day. Just feel how tired this is and see what you get done. Okay. You'll be like, wow, man, you do a lot. I have, I have so much sympathy for you, like a lot. And I want you to, I want you to get this fixed for your own sake. Me too. I believe me. I would love to, I would love a full night's sleep. 
Love. Let's see what I did last night, everybody. Here we go. <clears throat> Six hours, 23 minutes of sleep. But that translated to three hours and 54 minutes of light sleep. That's pretty good. An hour of REM. That's pretty good. And an hour and 33 minutes of deep sleep. Now, I was awake an hour and 49 minutes throughout the night. I woke up one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine times. Again, not normal. It's not normal to wake up nine times? No. Hmm. Okay. Even if it's like just like a, hmm. No. I'm going to readjust to get more comfortable. I don't do that. I don't right. wake up. Jeez. So no, I'm You just... sleep through everything. You sleep through your night terrors. You're a, you're, you're a sleepy person. I'm a sleepy person. Yep. Um, all right. We are going to... Thank you for writing in, Sarah. Thank you for writing in, Sarah. We're going to hear one more voicemail before we take another break. Here it is. This one's called Update. Hey, you guys. It's your Boulder bestie. I know Whoa, it's been a while, have you been? Um, but I just finished my second round of mini IVF and wanted to fill you guys in a little bit. Um, so this time I requested a change in my regimen. I mean, my doctor did do a couple changes on his own. But one thing that I had really wanted to try was Omnitrope, which is a human growth hormone. I don't know if you guys have heard of this yourselves. I don't recall it being spoken about that much on the um, podcast. But anecdotally, I've had a few friends who have used this in some of their rounds and they've had really good success. Like it, it not only generates more eggs, but it generates healthier eggs. So I really wanted to try it out. Um, and my doctor was willing to do it. Um, so anyway, this round, so just to back up or give you context, I've had three previous rounds of IVF. Um, and each round, I basically got six eggs and, um, had only one healthy embryo from those three rounds, which is not my son. So this round with the Omnitrope, um, I got 11 eggs, 10 that were mature but big, like largest number by far. And, um, I forget how many blastocysts we got, but they sent four to genetic testing because they were like the, um, highest quality blasts. So that's the most we've ever sent to genetic testing and two of them are normal. Um, so I'm so happy. This is again, the most, the best results we've ever, ever, ever had. Um, and so I am now a huge proponent for mini IVF. Um, anyone with, uh, diminished ovarian, diminished ovarian reserve should like a hundred percent look into this. Um, I'm just, I cannot even tell you how excited I am about our results and, and how positive I'm feeling about it. So definitely a fan. And again, it's like breaking literally apart a unripe bananas. So <laughs> amazing all around. Um, and I wanted to throw out two topics to the listeners um, one, I'm just curious if anyone else has used Omnitrope, um, and if anecdotally they've had good success because I'm like, I'm a believer in it. And so I'm just curious what anyone else's experience has been. 
And secondly, so I have a ton of medication left over right now. Um, and I hopefully won't need to use it anymore. So I'm wondering um, if anyone doing? has suggestions as to what I can do with my medication. Oh, she's washing frying dishes. Um, she's frying plantains. You know, I, I feel oh, yeah, like she is frying something. putting it out there on Facebook is not really allowed. Um, but I definitely want to pay it forward and give this to anybody else who is going through it. So open to suggestions. Okay, hope you guys are doing really well and hope you had a great Hanukkah and looking forward to Christmas. My son turns one on Christmas Eve, so it'll be a very Aww. merry Christmas for us. All right, love you guys. Happy holidays. Talk to you soon. Bye. Uh, bye. Bye. Boulder Bestie. What were you cooking? We must know. What were you? I mean, because I'm trying to think of what else that sounds like. She could have been breaking apart um, broccoli florets. Mm-hmm. It sound like that. Um, was she shucking corn? No. Uh, was she... <laughs> yeah, I think it's breaking apart a root vegetable. Or, oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, or cauliflower broccoli situation. So, and then frying it. Right. Um, I don't mean like deep frying it. I mean like in a pan, reasonable amount of Saute. olive oil. Sauteing. Yeah, saute. Now, we are not drug mules. No. But, what you have said has been heard. Not sure how anyone would get in touch with you. <laughs> um, but whatever. Yeah. We don't condone this, but our email box is open. Okay. Thank you, Matt. Next, regards to your mini IVF. Sounds great. I'm very happy for you. Congratulations on getting a couple normies. Mini IVF sounds like an easy breezy time. <laughs> sure, easy breezy. Yeah, I'm glad you're I'm glad it worked for you guys. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, we. Do you have anything to add? Yeah, I mean, I used Omnitrope the the round that we got Henry. So round two, what round two, round one, round two. That? So, hmm. just some interesting data. Mm, speaking say. of data, yes, he would recommend we take a break right now. Oh, okay. We'll we'll listen to him. We'll be right back. Okay. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Okay. All right. We are 
back. Um, thank you, Boulder. Ah! Captain, we are being hailed. That was Data telling us oh, that we're being thank hailed. Thank you. Little TNC crossover. Yep. Um, all right. This is from Jackie who says, Hi, Matt and Dory. Last episode, a listener wrote in about cat safe Christmas trees, and I felt compelled to share the story of my friend's cat who ate a Christmas ornament and had to have an emergency operation on Christmas Eve to remove it. Oh, God. When the vet extracted the ornament, they found it was a small plastic ham. Cheers, Jackie. It's adorable, but also, but also what a miserable way probably cost, to spend. And probably cost thousands of dollars. What a miserable way to spend Christmas Eve. Well, I'm also, I'm compounding it with not only the cost, but like... The, the change of plans, the the pain your cat's in, yep. the the pain you're in as a as a as a cat owner. Yeah, it sounds horrible. I'm sorry. Yeah, pass, hard pass, hard pass. Get those trees. I don't know where you'd put a tree to get it away from a cat because they're so sort of good at climbing. Mm-hmm. Good luck. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. We got a text. We got a series of texts from our listener, MJ, who said, I'm, this is her first text. I'm on a second re-listen along with current apps. I'm back at the 2022 cozy candle discussion. This mm. year, there was an inaugural Bath and Body Works Hanukkah candle. Wow. Mm. Fragrance notes, soufgani pillowy fried donut, sweet jelly filling and sprinkled with powdered sugar. It is so accurate. I gave two away at the Temple White Hanukkah dinner gift exchange, then got two for myself now that they are on sale. (laughs) Although, as we learned on Forever 35, with the big target location-specific pricing, your sales may vary. Cozy candles make the loneliest time of year a bit brighter, I guess literally. And then separately, she texted back and said, this is so niche. Where was that Dave Matthews concert stereotypes video my siblings were arguing about star wars and i said they sounded like dmb fans that was on tiktok yeah and i'm dory find. not sure how to find it again to be honest i mean i could probably google it tiktok dmb fans comedy oh i can find it quicker than you i'm well things maybe you hear not, at a dave matthews that, band concert was that it if that, that oh this is like it, it this is it, it. Yeah, i found it great Eh. Uh, okay, sorry. You found Can it. You hear that? Um, no, but oh, here. It's okay. I'll send it to you. Don't need to. It's all right. Oh, okay. Um, we will link to it in the show notes, but oh yeah, well that'll be how she can find it. <laughs> it's linked in the show notes. Yeah, the, actually, the link that I just found, I think, is not the original poster i think it, someone reposted it mm. but so i will link to the original um hopefully he has it pinned credit so the I, artist Ugh, he doesn't have it pinned so i'm gonna have to now scroll through his whole freaking feed or or, or just you know, or not you said yeah or not post the link but you know what caveat, here's but. another thing if you google uh things you hear at a dave matthews band concert tiktok you'll find it oh yeah do that do that things you hear at a okay. dave matthews band tiktok all right we got another text i love that daisy got her own bath bomb she's so often excluded from disney merch my I son know. got a funhouse pirate ship for his birthday with figures of the whole gang including pluto Except daisy 
a non-speaking supporting character, and both weasels, peripherals at best, but no Daisy. It did not go unnoticed by my son. Hashtag justice for Daisy. You got the, I bet you got the horse. I mean, the horse, the tiny dog house. She says she got the funhouse pirate ship. No, I'm saying the character that is anthropomorphized that does not talk would be the dog house. Funny, fun, funny, the fun house has a dog house, has a pet dog house. Oh, I see. I see. Oh, so it's not Pluto. Well, there's a Pluto and there's a dog house. Mm, that's confusing. You know how the house talks and creates yes, adventures for everybody? Yes, I do. Imagine if that house had a dog that was also made out of wood. Mm, mm, I see. But okay. it could. But it was. But it was given consciousness. Right. Interesting. That's my guess for which character she's talking about. Well, that makes sense. But yeah, the lack of Daisy is like it blows my mind sometimes. Sometimes you'll see like Clarabelle, the cow. Right, and you're like, in a, in, what? In a figure set without Daisy. What? Like, what are you doing? You know, I think partially as a, as a, probably from a toy standpoint, they think that the mold and the figure look too much like Donald, so that it wouldn't interest children. But then you could say the same about Mickey and Minnie. And about Mickey and Minnie, you could, but they are Mickey and Minnie. Uh, Top billing. I guess. I mean, I agree. Of our time. Justice for Daisy. I'm with you. Um. Okay. Oh, P.S. Shout out to your Norwegian listener whose advent calendar mania had me smiling all the way to work. Hmm. Oh, that's very, very cute. Um. Okay. Another text. Hi, guys. It's the one and only Darren DeShong. So we have two Christmas trees. Mm. My wife decorates the family tree, and I have one for my Star Wars ornaments. Oh, that's a good way to get your bullshit out of the <laughs> main house. She has been buying me Star Wars keepsake ornaments since our first Christmas in 2000, and she buys me multiple ones every year, so many, in fact, that I have about 90. And I just upgraded to a six-and-a-half-foot white tree with LEDs. I don't think I ever gave Whoa. you guys my stats last year. Uh, my stats. Last year, we moved to Virginia Beach from near Hershey, Pennsylvania. Our house is 1,400 square feet. We have four TVs, 70 inch in the living room, 32 inch in each bedroom, 42 inch in my office. I probably had about 30 hot dogs this year. I hope you all have a wonderful Christmas. 30 hot dogs. Slash Hanukkah done. and a happy new year. Uh, I'm impressed with the 1,400 square foot floor plan that can accommodate two six foot trees. It sounds Again, like this might yeah. just be this might just be a byproduct of the fact that most people don't have as much stuff as us. Yeah, we have way too. So much there's places stuff. to put trees. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Turns out there's places to put everything. Yeah, even the Star Wars. I mean, oh, uh, question: Is it a real tree or a fake tree? It's a white tree with LEDs. I'm oh, going to say it's okay. fake. Yeah, yeah, so it's a fake. Um, where do you store that? Probably in their garage. You know, it's probably organized. He probably has like an organized thing with shelves and like labeled boxes and stuff. I don't follow. Mm, I know. Okay. Andrea says, my childhood was fully in the 80s and early 90s, born 1978 in New York State. Definitely had and enjoyed cap guns, as did my brother. Even put the cap rolls on the ground and threw rocks down at it to set them off. Yes, that's a great time. Almost burned down anything, though. 
Andrea still in New York, wondering if caps or cap guns are still sold. Oh, and despite my childhood love of cap guns, I grew up to be 100% anti-real gun. Um, look, here's where I am on guns. I enjoy them. Don't own them. I think they should be legal. Under the circumstances that we're all driving cars. We're tested. We're insured. We're fucking everything. Like, it's ridiculous that you can just get one whenever. Mm. That's all I'm saying. Mm. I think there should be background checks. And I also think nobody needs a fucking assault rifle. Mm-hmm. Even in shoot like a competition, like, you know, for sport. You don't need that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you, Matt. Cap guns. I am pro cap gun for children born in the 80s. <laughs> well, she was born in the 70s. And the 70s. Thank you. My 70s sisters. And your 70s wife. That's I meant sisters as in women. Oh. Like, you know. That's weird. Brothers and sisters. Sure. Okay. I was saying 70s sisters. I know, I know. Because the 70s, you know, it'd be more of a colloquial term. Sure. Um, all right. Where were we? Yes. Uh, another text. Matt, I knew exactly what you meant by cap gun. Also, my husband almost also almost burnt down his house with a similar incident, the details of which I cannot reveal because they are identifying. Oh, <laughs> I love it. Dory. His whole, fam- his whole family listens to the podcast. <laughs> Dory, you really missed out on Colonial Williamsburg, but maybe it's generational because I went during my peak Felicity, the American Girl Tall era. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I was I was just a little too old for American Girl. My sister was very into American Girl dolls, but they they kind of came on the scene as I was aging out of dolls. That's how I feel about Pokemon. Mm. You know, they came on the scene just as I was like, "Goodbye, youth." Yep. Even though I saw the Pokemon movie in the theater. Oh didn't know that about you and that was actually the first instance of pokemon i had ever seen (laughs) interesting okay but it was a good time you know john and joe and uh me and probably shannon probably trying to think who else would have been matt donahue the old gang you know whole gang um well you know what this brings us to the end of the show this is when we remind everyone that we do have a Patreon. So if you are a binge listener and you have binged everything, you can go head on over to if our you've Patreon. If you've written in or called and you're like worried about catching up finally. You know, Phoebe, Phoebe, joined, you Phoebe joined the Patreon. Okay, but maybe there's others like her. Yeah. You, know? you can head on over to patreon.com slash excellentadventure. We do two bonus episodes a month. We already released our first bonus episode. So there's, you know, there's stuff to catch up on that we didn't talk about on the main app. Just saying. And we'll be recording a second one. Actually, the second one will probably come out before this drops on the main feed. But um, there you go. There's there's two. Go get them. There's two. And there's literally six years worth of back episodes. (laughs) Oh, wow. Because this is December 31st here. We've thanked everyone. We have already. thanked everyone. I wasn't sure what our late December so recording schedule was going to be. So I just put everyone's names on the last episode. So we thanked everyone already. 
our next thanking of Patreon supporters, which is what we do at the $5 level and above, will be in 2024. Happy New Year, everybody. Thanks for supporting us. Thanks for listening. We love you. I mean, everything she just said. Bye. Bye.